Amen. All right, we're going to go to our message this morning. The title of it is, More Wine, Please. And all you Italians said amen. I heard a couple. This is a strange portion of Scripture. And it's not what you think. Remember what we talked about three years ago when I came on board, that we were going to read the Bible slowly? Remember those little stipulations that we used? We're going to read the Bible slowly. We're going to take pictures. Please take pictures this morning. Please take pictures. Please ask a lot of questions, which we're going to have this morning. Please read between the lines. There are things going on in this portion of Scripture that unless you read between the lines and unless you use your trowel and dig, you will not see them. And I'm not trying to be real smart in all this. I'm saying if we don't do certain things, we miss the reality of what God is saying. And this portion of Scripture, John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, is an extremely important passage of Scripture. So please go with me. More wine, please. <clears throat> On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan. Now, you know what this is all about because you've read your Bible. There's a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Okay, mom was there. Remember that. Okay, <clears throat> And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. We've got mama, we've got Jesus, and 12 other guys just right there in that crew, that's 14 people. All right. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, Honey, what are we going to do? Oh, honey, I don't know. I feel so bad. Gee, do you think we could run to the store? No, she didn't say that. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, They have no wine. Now, she's an Italian mother. You've got to understand her. Okay, you've got to understand the scripture. Okay, Jesus said to her, what do you want, mom? No, he didn't do that either. He said, woman, what does that have to do with us? I'll explain this in a moment, okay? What does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said, gee, honey, if that's the way you feel, I guess we're stuck. Oh, it didn't say that. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots, six, set there for the Jewish custom of purification, which we'll talk about, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Well, 30 times six is 180. Well, we'll get, we'll get there. Jesus said to these servants, fill the water pots with water, so they filled them up to the brim. We're going to talk about that. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but, you know I love the word but, the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk too much, freely, drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine, but you've kept the good wine until now. This beginning of the signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. More wine, please. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this message is not about turning water into wine. Oh, it happened. 
That is not what this message is about. That's why we dig and dig and dig. We've got to realize what's going on here, okay? This message is not about water to wine. This message is all about ministry. And who's involved? Who's willing to get involved? Please take your pictures. Please don't, don't, don't forget to ask your questions. And please <clears throat> look for attitude. We're going to see it. Well, we've got this little Broadway play going on here, so we've got some characters. Well, who's in the character list? Jesus is there. Mary is there, his mother. The disciples were there. We talked about that. The servants who are keeping track of those water pots. We'll talk about them. They're there. The wine steward is there. And obviously, the bridal party and the guests are there. We happen to have a very big wedding celebration going on. We have props at this little party. The props are wineskins. That's where they keep the wine. The new wine is in the wineskins. The props are six stone water pots, 30 gallons each. We already calculated that's 180 gallons. That happens to be 720 quarts. Some of you could take a quart of wine and just zip it right down. Don't say amen. No, no, you're not supposed to say amen. I want you to see what's going on. I want you to see the content of this scripture so that you understand the miracle behind what's going on, which is not water being turned to wine, okay? We've got a big wedding. Who planned the wedding? The family. The family got together with the wedding coordinator. They figured out we need this, 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 this. But who planned running short? Who planned that there would be a need at that wedding? Nobody. Nobody knew what was going to happen. No one understood that there would be a miscalculation of the quantity of wine that they would need to have. And quite frankly, <clears throat> Gary just was drinking too much, that's all. I mean, come on, folk. Gary's half Italian. Which half, I'm not sure. We need to see this function going on that is real because it's affecting everybody. They ran out of wine. Somebody miscalculated. Don't know who, so let's not try to blame anybody. But we've got responsibilities here that have been messed up. The family messed it up. The groom messed it up. Maybe even the coordinator of the wedding. We don't know, but we have a problem, okay? We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Verse number three. I love verse number three. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, Hey, son, listen up. This is an Italian mama. They have no wine. She didn't come with any suggestions. She didn't say, I can get on my cell phone and, and, and we'll get somebody to go down to the store. and get." She, she didn't say that. She went to her son because she knew who her son was. And she knew his capabilities. Please, and we forget this, and I'm not trying to 
put you down. I don't mean it that way. I'm saying we forget certain things. We forget that the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, came to, uh, to Mary and said, you are going to have a baby. He is going to be a function of God, the Holy Spirit, and you. He's not going to be like somebody else. You're going to name him Jesus. We forget that this woman knows who her son is. And even though she knows he's the son of God, she knows this. She also knows he's his, she, she's his mama. Please don't forget that. You need to know who you are. You, you, I'm serious. You need to know who you are. You need to know what's going on in your life. You need to know the folks that you embrace and the reason why. You need to know a little bit about those people that you're close to. Okay? She went to her son and she says, they're out of wine. Now, Jesus responds to what we call a Hebrew idiom. Jesus says, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. It sounds like he's rebuking his mom, and he's not. Jacob, don't you ever rebuke your mother. I don't care how much smaller she is than you. Don't you dare. Good, good. Because mama's always going to tell you what to do. Say amen. Okay. You need to understand that. We're out of wine, and Jesus says, the interpretation of what he said was, we're not involved, Mama. This is not our problem. This is what he's saying. We came here as guests. We should not be interfering with the flow of what's going on that's already been programmed. It had nothing to do with us. He wasn't rebuking his mother. So he's saying, you know, it's really, it's not our problem, Mom. Why, why don't we just forget this and just move on? <clears throat> and I love Mary. <clears throat> I love her attitude. <clears throat> and she looked at her son, Jesus, and said, okay, if you can't do anything, we'll just forget it. She's an Italian mother. Italian mothers don't do that. She didn't even pay attention to him. Oh, your mother said Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, now you're catching on, okay? She, in verse 5, turned her back on her son, in the proper attitude, went to the servants and said to the servants, and only the tone of voice that an Italian mother could use, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Did you hear her? Was she serious? Are they going to say, no, Mama, we're not going to do it? No, 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 no. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. She just bypassed Jesus. I don't suggest you bypass Jesus. I suggest you understand this story and what it's doing in the lives of people. Whatever he tells you, she ignores Jesus. She ignores the idiom that it's really not our problem, Okay. And what mama does is she speaks life to the need. And she speaks it to the servants. She didn't go to the bridegroom and say, hey, you know, you got a problem. She didn't go to the head waiter. You, you, you know, you. She didn't go to those people. She went to the lowly servants, the foot washers. And said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And they said to her, oh, no, we're not going to do what you tell Oh, no, they didn't do that. They said, yes, Mama, whatever you tell us, we will do. Oh, 
Folks, I'm telling you something. We need servants, not big shots. We need people who will serve. We, will, we need people who understand the importance and the blessing of serving. Let me explain these servants to you. The custom of the Jew in that era, in that day, was that when you came somewhere to someone's home or a festival like this, that they had people waiting for you at the entrance. And they, those people were there with their water pots, with their basins, with their towel, with their soap, whatever they needed, to wash your feet. Now, why? Because you walked. You didn't drive your Cadillac. You walked there or maybe rode a donkey or walked through and you went through some mud puddles. And can you see uh, uh, Jacob just going through the mud puddles and he's got mud all over his feet? And they stop Jacob at the door and say, Jacob, just sit down. And so the servant kneels down in front of Jacob, takes out a basin of water that he's got. He took the water from the big pot, put a little basin, got the towels, washed Jacob's feet off so he was clean so he could go inside. Toweled him off, dried him off, put his sandals back on him. Now he can go into the wedding feast. The foot washer was the lowest form of servant in the household. Where do you fit? Mary said to them, you do whatever he tells you to do. They clean your dirty feet. They look at you going, oh, i got to clean another dirty foot. Can you imagine their own personal problems with washing your feet? The servant kneels, the basin, the towel, the soap. Are we too important to be servants of God? Go to John chapter 13, verses 5 through 10. I want to share this with you. You know this passage of Scripture, but I want to share that with you and show you what's going on. This is where Jesus does the same thing. Jesus pours water into the basin, begins to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Remember that? He did that. So he came to Simon Peter, who was a big shot. Simon thinks he's just going to... He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Oh, Jesus answered and said, what I, do, what I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said, never shall you wash my feet. Now, Peter is thinking, and he's thinking in a good way. He's thinking, this is my master. Jacob looks at me and says, Pastor Greco is my master, and he wants to wash my feet. No, no it shouldn't be that way. He's, Peter, Peter's saying that. Never shall you wash my feet. He's thinking, I'm not good enough to let you. You're the master. You shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be. Understand the scripture. And Jesus said, Jacob, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. In other words, clean me up. Jesus said, he who has bathed he who has gone through the normal process of life, he who has kept himself in order, only needs to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Jesus is making a point in this chapter. He is saying to us, nobody's so much of a hot shot that he cannot be a servant and get down on his knees and quote-unquote figuratively wash someone's feet. Are you uh, available for that? 
Are we too important to be foot washers? My wife and I, when we were traveling on the road years ago, preaching in little churches like this, the pastor and his wife were going through a big struggle with the church. And I had preached, and I was finishing, giving the altar call, and standing up front, and she came up to me. Now, you remember my wife? Another Mary. She whispered in my ear, send the youth pastor out and tell them to get a basin of water and some towels. We're going to wash their feet. Do you think I said no to my wife? I'm serious. So I grabbed the youth pastor and said, go out, get a basin, put some water in it, bring some towels. We're going to wash their feet. We sat the pastor and his wife down, and we told everybody what we're going to do. And so my wife and I washed their feet, and she prayed for them, and it changed the whole course of the evening. Well, I'm too important to be doing that kind of job. Really? Really? What do you think your neighbor needs to see in you? Big shot with a nice hat? I'm going to steal somebody's hat, right? I know who's got the hat. What what, What do you think they're looking for? They need someone who is compassionate enough to figure out a need is there. Jesus used the lowest servants to bless that wedding party. Are you available? Am I available? Verse 7, back to where we were. Jesus gives direction to the servants. And he says to these servants, now there's six water pots, so there's at least six servants he's dealing with. Because each servant has a water pot. Each is, you know, he's going to, Clean feet, he's got to go back to his pot, get more water, back to his pot. You you see the picture here? So Jesus says to these servants, fill the water pots with water so they fill them up to the brim. Okay? How did they fill these pots? See, you got to dig. I know how they did it. Gary, I, I, I figured this all out. It didn't take me long to figure out how they filled those six water pots. One of them ran outside and got the hose in the shed and came back into the kitchen and just screwed the hose under the kitchen faucet and they went over, they ready, and pushed the faucet. How did they fill six pots, 30 gallons each? They had no hose. They had no faucet in the kitchen. Where did they get the water? Come on, talk to me. Oh, you've been reading the scripture. Or you've been reading my notes. Where was the well? Outside. Are you taking pictures now? Are you digging with me now? Six servants had to go out to a well. There had to be somebody at the well with a bucket. Somebody had to let the bucket down. And then Jacob came over and I filled his gallon because he had to run back inside and fill his pot. And then he had to run back outside, and we filled it again. Six servants, six pots, 180 gallons. How long did it take to fill those pots? What kind of a job was that? Are you ready to be a pot filler? Are you ready to be running back and forth to the well? So that you can obey Jesus and what he's asking you to do? Or is that too much for you? 
I'm too good to do this job, Pastor. Really? Okay. God will find someone else to do it. You need to see the picture when you read Scripture. You need to dig. No hose, no faucet, no pump. Outside well. Trips back and forth, back and forth from the well. Until the pots were full. And the servants are looking at these filled pots. And I know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. What do these pots really hold? I don't know, but God does. See, you don't know what your pot will hold after you've been obedient to fill it. Because God didn't tell you what the end was going to be like. He just told you to obey. Well, I told you this is not about turning water into wine. You didn't believe me at first. God knows what's going on. God knows what's needed. God knows why we, want, we need the pots. He knows what the family needs. Verse 8 and 9, Jesus now gives new direction. We've got six pots <clears throat> filled with water. We've got six servants that are by the pots. I'm sure that there were one for, for each pot. I'm sure of that. And then Jesus says this. He says to the servants... He does not say to the head waiter. He does not say to the groom. He does not say to the father of the bride. No, no. He says to the servants, draw some out now. Take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. We just filled these pots with water. Now I'm looking at my pot. And I'm looking at it. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Sim, something's happened in my pot. I, saw, I put water in the pot. I'm not taking water out of the pot. I'm taking a little pitcher, and I'm going over to the head waiter. And it says in verse 9, when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from. Parenthesis, but, 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 but the servants who had drawn the water. See, if you want to know what's going on with God, you better be willing to be a servant of His. Oh, somebody say amen. Don't just sit there. Am I making any sense? We need to serve. Why do we come to church on Sunday? Just to hear some Italian preach? That's not always going to happen. I'm not going to be here all the time. So what are we learning? We're learning about service. We're learning about filling the pot. We're learning about taking directions. We're learning about doing what God is asking us to do. Who drew water out of the pot? The big shot didn't draw water out of the pot. The servant drew water, and it was wine when he drew it out of the pot. The head waiter did not go over to the pots. The bridegroom did not go over to the pots. Mom and dad didn't go there. Jesus didn't even go over to the pots. Hello? The servants who were in charge of that pot saw their water turn to wine. I don't know what you want. I want to be a servant that sees my water turn to wine. Because now I can serve it. What do you want? The servants knew where it came from. The head waiter tasted the wine, which now had become 
water, which now had become wine, didn't know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, and the head waiter called the bridegroom. Now listen to what he says. This is the opinion of the head waiter. He said, you know, dude, I don't understand what you did today. At your, I know this is your wedding, but you know, <laughs> you're mixing things up here. Every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk so much freely, then he serves the poorer wine because they won't understand it's poor anymore. Are you listening? God doesn't serve bad wine. We don't serve bad wine. We don't give you just crumbles. We're here to give you the word. We're here to give you what God is saying. We're here to go to the pot that is now filled with the miracles that God wants for you and for this community. Take a look around. This church needs to be filled. I know people are away. I understand. But you understand what I'm saying. And if we're going to fill every seat in this place, we need to decide, will we be foot washers? Will we see the miracle of our pot change from water into wine? Will we hear the head waiter say, you know what, I don't understand what's going on here. But usually, you know, we, we, we save the good wine, give it first, and then the bad wine lasts because nobody knows. Their, their palate's gone. I have never been a drinker, so I can't give you experience. But I had an experience one day, serious I was playing golf with some men from my church when I was pastoring in California. One of the men happened to be my barber. He was in the church, and he used to like to drink beer all the time. I mean, okay. Uh, you know, whatever. Some things hit your tongue, and it, you know. And I, so I looked at him. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, pastor, this is, this is a, no, there's no alcohol in this beer. It's called near beer. I never heard of near beer. Has anybody heard of near beer? See, all you drinkers, I understand. All right, okay. I said, what? He said, Pastor, it's a near beer. There's no alcohol in it. I said, you kidding me? He said, no, no alcohol. I said, let me taste that stuff. Don't, don't taste near, please don't taste near beer, please. I took one sip of that and spit it out. I thought I was going to throw up. And I'm thinking to myself, how can you drink this? I know there's no alcohol in it, but what is it saying to your tongue? What are you doing? What is your system allowing? What are you allowing to come into your lifestyle that you can't understand the taste is wrong? They took wine out of those pots, Dan. Wine, not water. They took wine out. This was the opinion of the, uh, of the head waiter. The head waiter doesn't know where this blessing came from. Tell me who does know. Who knows where the blessing came from? Come on. The servants. The servants who heard Mama say, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And whatever Mama tells you to do, Jacob, you better do it. Because if you do, you're going to be serving wine, the spiritual wine, down the road. To someone who won't listen to Mama, but they'll listen to you. Because they see the change in your life. He said, we don't normally do this way. We, we serve the good wine first, we let them get drunk, and then we serve them the lousy stuff because it's cheaper that way. I don't know that God ever had a cheaper way of doing things. 
God is first class all the way. When he let his son hang on the cross, that was first class. For your sin. For my sin. God doesn't serve bad wine. Wine, in Scripture, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. You know the verse, you know it, but I've got to, I've got to fit it in here. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, 7, and 8. So when they'd come together, they were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? The only thing on the mind of the Jew, even after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, was, can we get Israel back the way we want it? That wasn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs or the seasons, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, there's my but, you, servants, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what are you going to do with that power? What are you going to do with that wine that you come dragging out of that bucket that used to be water? You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What were the servants doing? They were witnessing to the entire banquet hall that this man, Jesus, who told them to go fill those buckets, and we obeyed him, we now have something to give you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. What is the principle of the new wine? What is the principle of the Holy Spirit? So you can speak in tongues? No, I believe in speaking in tongues. You know that. You know, I'm, I'm assembly of God all the way through. The purpose of being filled with the Spirit was to empower you to give out new wine. Have another glass. It'll change everything in your life. New wine. The opinion of the head steward was a good one. But I don't need God's opinion. Because God doesn't serve bad wine. The authority that was being given here by Jesus in Acts, that authority was to win souls. To win souls. And the lowly servants became mighty warriors of God. Hello, new hope. How many times have other people driven by this church and said, they're not, they're not going anywhere? I, I don't know the history of the church. I really don't. But you've been here. How many times have you run into people and people have said to you, you still go to that crazy church? See, the miracle wasn't about the water, and it wasn't about the wine. The miracle was turning lowly servants into powerful men and women of God who had an answer for people's problems. That's what this story is about. That's what this church is about. That's what new hope needs to be all about. Men and women who are saying, yes, God, yes, I'll follow your direction. Yes, you tell me to fill the pot, I will fill the pot. Yes, you tell me to go knock on my neighbor's door and say, can I give you some of this fresh spiritual wine? Yes, I will do that. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to knock and I'm going to say, I'm here to tell you how much God loves you. That's better than turning water into wine. Your neighbor needs life. Life. 
And it may only come from you. And your neighbor needs to know you love them even though they, you don't agree. Because your neighbor isn't always going to agree with you. you know, sometimes even in our own churches we don't agree with everything that everybody says. But if we have love, if we're listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit and following his direction and filling the pot, that pot's going to change from water into wine. And that's called being saved. That's your life-changing focus on this scripture. We don't know what's going to happen after we fill the pot. But if we are faithful in obeying the Lord, in filling the pot, then we'll know what the miracle is going to be. Okay? Let me change this just a second. If I remember correctly, in the book of Genesis, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit kind of looked at each other and said, that's a mess down there. Why don't we do something? God says, yeah, let's change it. And he said, let there be light. Well, there were no water pots. He spoke the words. Jesus could have snapped his finger, never said a word to the servants. Whatever was in the pots, he didn't care. He could turn that whole thing by snapping his finger and said, let there be wine in those pots. He did not do that, Jacob. You know why? Because he wanted you to be one of those who are willing to serve other people. He wants this church to be a servant so he could, you know, he could snap his finger all day long and everybody could save Then what would you do? Oh, no, no, no. That's not the way it operates. It operates by God touching you, God touching me, God anointing us with his spirit so that we go and knock on the door because uh, we, we, maybe we see our neighbor at the restaurant, maybe we see them at the gas pump. You know when you bump into your neighbor. You know what's going on in your community. And what does your neighbor see? Does he see some big shot or does he see a servant with a glass of spiritual wine in his hand, saying, can I give you some? Can I give you some? God gave this to me to give to you. That's new hope. I have to quit. This was Jesus' first miracle. Listen. This is unbelievable. This is Jesus' first miracle and he decided to use people to do it rather than snap his finger. Hello? We're his servants, folks. New Hope, this church. I don't know what this community needs. I don't live here. You know that. But you've been here long enough. You know what this community needs. And you know what's here and you know what's not here. And unless we're willing to take directions from Jesus and say, okay, I'll fill that water. I don't know how many trips it's going to take. I'll run out to the well and come back. I'll run out to the well. I don't know how many trips, but I'm going to fill my water pot, and then I'm going to dip in and see what happens to it. God chooses us. He didn't snap his finger. God did not snap his finger, and Jesus went to the cross and got right off. No, no. He went through the whole process of being beaten and bruised, bloodied, crown of thorn on his head, blood flowing all over his back, just flayed wide open. He went through the whole process. He was a faithful servant so that you and I could go to that pot and dip in a little pitcher and come up with this beautiful, pure Holy Spirit wine that everybody needs in their lives. He chose us, folks. He chose us.
rather than snap his finger. I leave you with this. Every pastor needs workers. Every pastor. If I lived here, I would still need you, every one of you. I couldn't do the job all by myself. Someday you will have a full-time pastor. I've already told God about that, and he said, yes, I'll do it. He, he knows I'm Italian. He has to do what I tell him to do. And you will need to fellowship with him, and you will need to function with him. You will need to serve with him, this community, so that this community sees the power of new wine. New Hope Assembly has new wine. Souls, souls are waiting for you to knock on their door. Souls are waiting for you to bump into them at the grocery line. Souls who need a touch from God. They're waiting for us because they need the new wine of the Holy Spirit. This was the beginning of Jesus' miracle. First miracle. And he chose us, Annette. He chose us. He chose us, Smokey. Why? I don't know. But he chose us and said, you want to work with me? Because if you work, he didn't say you want to work for me. You want to work with me? You want to follow my lead? If you do, I'll make you winners of souls. Jesus chose you and me to win souls in this community. Bow your heads with me right now. Father, thank you for your word. It's always real. It's always powerful. It always has purpose. You know that I love these people, Father. And I know that they love me and the family. I know that. You've put us together for a reason for this time. And Lord, somehow you've got to filter everything down through the filter of the Holy Spirit so that we all recognize what we're to do for you. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. And we need to take care of every opportunity that you give to us so that we make no mistakes, that we don't leave anybody out. We don't miss a chance to say that Jesus loves you. We need to show that kind of love so that our neighbors know we're, we're sincere. We're not playing a game. We know that you love us. We know that you love our neighbors. We need the Holy Spirit to flood this place daily. And every time we come together, Holy Spirit, we need you to touch us so that we know we're not just sitting here singing him song and listening to some preacher, but we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit who knows how to turn water into wine. Would you bless these dear people, Lord? Would you share with them this morning, right now, whatever their need may be? Would you share, share the reality that all they need to do is look to you and believe that you can take them and use them and bring honor and glory to your name? Father, keep your hand on us. Holy Spirit, keep flowing through us. Never let us dry out, but let us be filled with the power in the presence of the Spirit of God. And for this we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.